ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to All Things Reconsidered. All Things Reconsidered. Spooky month. Spooky month. It is our final week mm-hmm. of Spooky Month. Mm-hmm. And as always, I am Spooky Brandon, and this is Spooky Joey. Terrifying. And we're going to talk about a couple more spooky things as we wrap up yes. the spookiest month. So today, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about the big red guy himself, the father of lies. The big D. <laughs> yes, exactly. We are talking about the devil. Uh, we have talked about hell quite a yep. bit. Mm-hmm. We, we've talked about that, but we have not actually dealt with the guy who, the, the manager. Exactly. So it's time the to GM. finally, you know, it's funny, Satan has been in our mystery mug cup for so long now, but yes. every time we play mystery mug, I never pull, so now Because just, he's trying to avoid being revealed and talked about. Exactly. Exactly. That 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 crafty devil. So we're finally talking about Old devil. Scratch! Yeah. And uh, what we, you know, basically we're trying to tackle the question of what is Satan? Yeah. Is he a person? Or is he more of a, a personification force, a personification of evil? Yeah. Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Right. Yep. And uh, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, me too. Um, I have, you know, I have some thoughts on it. Joey has some thoughts on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And by me and Joey having thoughts, we mean people that we read have thoughts on it. <laughs> yeah, so <exactly. laughs> we, we've done some studying. It, it, what's cool is that, um, you know, recently I've been reading some from Brad Jerzak. Yep. And getting his take on on what these spiritual beings are. Right. And he quotes a lot of Zahn. Zahn's talked about it a lot, too. Um, but And those are both men that I, of course, highly respect. And so I've learned a lot from them. But also, I've been listening to um, podcasts by uh, Tim Mackey. Yeah. And he actually has a bit of a different opinion on these oh, things. interesting. And yet I still respect and admire him greatly. Right. So, like... You can have different ideas of, of what these things are and, you know, land di- on different areas of, of this argument, but, uh, and that's okay. Right. Uh, so there are different ways to view this. Yeah. Um, there are these spiritual beings that are listed throughout the Bible and a very um, evangelical or, or charismatic approach to the Bible is, of course, to take it very literally. Mm-hmm. So when we read about like the Nephilim, you know, and giants, and when we read about um, the heavenly council in Job, and right, and and the the hosts of angels, and all you know, the demons. In our charismatic upbringing, we're taught that's all literal stuff. Those are literal creatures. Yeah, and have very like in depth discussion mm-hmm. of what they look like and why they look the way that they look and yeah. how it's you know blah 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 and right right. I mean, like I've said before in other episodes, assemblies of God especially is like really into demons. Like they talk about demons a lot. Yeah. You know, there's a spirit for everything, a spirit of disobedience. If your children are disobedient, a spirit of, of deceit, if you're lying, a spirit of, of doubt or of fear. I mean, there's a spirit of everything, right? Gotta have something to cast out. Yeah. And so we're constantly rebuking, constantly casting out. Um, you know, the devil is propped up as kind of this dualistic, um, contradiction. Okay. Because on the one hand, we're told the devil is weak and is nothing to God. He's just dust under right. his feet. You know, he, they're not equals at all. The devil is nothing. Yep. You know, I've heard him referred to as just a, a mouse. Like, who's, mouse with the microphone. Yeah, he's just scaring people. So that's the one view of the devil. Like, mm-hmm. he's nothing. But, but right. then at the same time, we're also supposed to hold 
equally. It's like weirdly that, high regard of the devil. Yeah. That, and how much he can influence the world mm-hmm. and like not even just like your personal life, mm-hmm. but like world events. Yeah. That like, he controls all of politics. Yeah. He controls like like the media, all of Hollywood. Right. So he's so weak that he's dust under my feet, but at the same time he's so powerful that he can get my entire life ruined by and an episode of That's So Raven. Avoid him at every single turn exactly like it's yeah you really got to be careful yeah and so it creates this weirdness of like well, which is it is he yeah. is he nothing compared to god and me because i am one of god's children or is he this huge threat and and is he really even a person right um and so so that's all the stuff we're gonna be talking about yeah so uh, i guess one of the first things the best things to kick off on of the whole is he even really a person mm-hmm. is the question of the devil versus satan Okay, but before we do that, oh, let's just quickly add in here at the start of the episode that if you guys would like to be part of this discussion, you should get on our Discord. Yes, you should. Our Discord is so fun, and we have great conversations with it's people. The best, and you know, people are really, I think, coming together and 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 growing and, yeah. and helping each other, um, and sharing not just advice but just their own stories and and you know, growing. And I, I yeah. just I love seeing it take off the way it is, and we just added a meme channel. So, oh, yeah, we did, didn't we? So you're there for deep conversations about your spiritual development, yeah. and you're there for memes. So join our Discord. To do that, you have to become a patron. The lowest tier that gets you in the Discord is just $3 a month. Of course, if you want to give more, you'll get things like bonus content, be able to submit questions for Q&As, and uh, all sorts of other things. So if you're interested, join our Patreon. Anyway, Brandon, want to get back to what you are saying before I really cut you off? Yeah, so... <laughs> um, the devil versus Satan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like as someone who didn't grow up in church. I thought that those were two very like interchangeable mm-hmm. figures. Yeah, um, and I thought that like Satan was like the proper name yeah. for the devil. Mm-hmm. Like you know, devil was the nickname. Right. It's like yeah, what up? This is my bro, the devil. Yeah. But it's like actually my name. Satan. Yeah, yeah, like Satan's his name, but the devil is his job title. Yeah, or something yeah, yeah. Like that. yeah. And so, like, something I found super interesting whenever, like, this this even came before I started deconstructing, like, okay. but was the idea that Satan isn't a name. Yeah. It's just literally, like, a, more of a description or a title. Yeah. Like, I'm sure, like, I'm sure this doesn't come as a surprise to many people because I feel like this is something that's kind of been, like, making its rounds about the church as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like, it's not a person like mm-hmm. Satan isn't a person. Yeah. And like, you very much see that whenever Jesus is talking to Peter, mm-hmm. whenever Peter's like, you know, I'm not going to let you be crucified. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to let that happen. Yeah. And Jesus like, get behind me, Satan. Right. It's like, right. Oh, <laughs> so, hold on so so is peter satan yeah question mark does that mean the catholic church is satan oh my god we yeah. just busted this whole thing wide open <laughs> well it, it's important to remember that um the use of the word in in the bible is actually always um preceded with the yeah. so it's actually the satan right um because 
Satan just means accuser right. or adversary. Yeah. So any time in the Bible where someone is acting as someone who is accusing someone or who is being an adversary to someone, right. they can be called the Satan in that story. In fact, even the Lord himself in one story is called the Satan. Yeah. It's in the story of uh, Baal and the, the donkey. Yep. Where the donkey starts talking, uh, where basically the the Lord, um, the angel of the Lord, is stopping Baal from from coming down the road, and he's called in that story the Satan. Yeah. So it's like if this were just a title, then you know, or if this was if this were a name of a person, we have an issue right there because we're, right. we're just called God uh, yeah. Satan. So it's a, it's important to know that it's a it's a title that basically any one of us can be. Yeah. You know. And, like, I find it so interesting, too, that, you know, Jesus calls Peter Satan in that instance, mm-hmm. because you would think that, you know, this is the alt, like, this is the moment where Peter's trying to defend Jesus the most. Right. But in reality, this was Peter trying to keep Jesus from the cross. Yeah, and exactly. And, in like, in the grand scope of things, whenever you look at what the cross is mm-hmm. and how we view the cross and how we view atonement, mm-hmm. this was keeping Jesus, this was keeping God through Jesus from his means to winning the victory over death, hell, and the grave. Exactly. Which is very interesting how, like, in that moment of trying to prevent Jesus from going to the cross out of love for Jesus, Mm -hmm. in reality, it was keeping God from accomplishing his purpose on the earth. Exactly. Because the true enemy is death. It's not people who have different opinions. It's not people who don't believe the right things. The enemy that, that Jesus came to defeat is death itself. Right. So when Peter was trying to convince him to not go through with the plan to go to the cross to defeat death, he became an adversary in that right. moment. Yeah. Uh, it's the same thing as you know when Jesus uh, is in the wilderness and is tempted by the yeah. Satan. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously in that story, it appears like Satan is a literal person. But you have to look at what is it exactly that Jesus is being tempted with. Right. He is being tempted with options that would get him away from the cross. Right. He's being tempted with with options that would give him power through through earthly means. Right. You know, glory through the way that man receives glory. Right. Being ruler over all of the kingdoms of earth as opposed to laying down his life for his brother. Right, exactly. So he was giving the idea of basically ways to bypass the cross, and those ideas and that impulse to bypass the cross is Satan, basically. So I find that that comparison very interesting when you look at Jesus in the wilderness Mm -hmm. being tempted by Satan, and then you look at humanity in the garden being tempted by Satan. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is redeeming humanity's choices. Yeah. Because he's tempted the exact same way that Adam and Eve are. Exactly. Yes, the um, the wording is different. You know, right. did God really say that? Blah yeah. blah blah. You should eat from the you know the tree. Right. You know, we view that as a metaphorical snake, and you know, metaphorical mm-hmm. two people in a metaphorical garden. Yes. But it, it's telling the story of humanity choosing mm-hmm. power. Exactly. And so, in the wilderness, Jesus is looking at Satan and the accuser and saying. I'm not going to choose earthly power. Exactly. And so he's redeeming that idea that humanity always chooses power. Mm -hmm. Because as much as Jesus is God, Mm -hmm. Jesus also is human. Yeah. And and so 
and so by both the stories, you know, mirroring each other, we see that what the demonic really is is our impulse to to not look like God, to not look like God, and to achieve power through through violence and through death right. on our own and in our own glory. That that is Satan, and that is what Jesus came to destroy. Yeah, that's why um, you know a, a lot of us are still working off of an idea that we can change the world through earthly ways of doing things. Right, and the kingdom of God is is attained so radically different. Yeah, it's like when um, when the sons of Zebedee, uh, James and, and John. Mm-hmm. ask Jesus if they could sit at his right hand and at his left. And he says, you don't really know what you're asking. Right. They are imagining that if they get to sit at his right hand and at his left, they'll be sitting on these beautiful thrones. Yep. That they'll be in this place of honor, in this place of glory, and they want that glory. Right. But what they don't realize is that the people who did stand on his right and left were people who were crucified next to him. Yes. And so Jesus was saying, you don't really know what you're asking for. You think that you're going to attain glory through these, through your understanding of that. Right. But how the kingdom comes is through self-sacrificial love. Yeah. Are you sure you really want that now? And it's so interesting, too, because you look at statements like Jesus made of, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Mm-hmm. And when you look at that in an earthly viewpoint, mm-hmm. whenever I'm elevated to king or whenever I'm elevated to a high position of power, yeah. mm-hmm. I will be able to make whoever is around me do whatever I want them to do. Yeah. But in reality, Jesus is talking about him being lifted up on the cross. Exactly. And that yeah. radical love will drag everybody to him. And that is what's so different from the world. That is why we are called to be in the world and not of it. Right. When the Bible says don't be of the world, it's not just saying don't watch movies right. that they watch and don't watch TV shows that they watch. It's saying don't try to attain glory and success and satisfaction through the means of, of, of earthly ways of doing this, right. through war and through violence and through you know stepping on other people's necks. It's about self-sacrifice and, yeah. and giving of yourself. That is how we are different from the world. Right. And that is what draws people to Jesus. Yeah. But uh, that's getting, it's getting <laughs> a, little a little off topic. topic. Yeah. And, but at the same time, it's almost not because I think this kind of leans into the idea of what demons mm-hmm. and the demonic is. Yeah. Is we have, we've removed the, um, the accountability on us mm-hmm. to be like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that gets rid of most of the things that we call demonic. Yeah. Is if we act like Jesus acted and we be like Jesus, then that removes a lot of that quote unquote demonic influence in our lives. Yes. Because, you know, we lean more towards the viewpoint that we create the demonic, not that the demonic necessarily is coming from the pits of hell specifically to attack us. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and let's just back up for one second to kind of explain what the, the, more traditional or more yeah. typical view yep. of mm-hmm. the devil is. So the way that I was always taught, and, and I know I've said this before in other episodes, so I'll keep it really brief. Right. But the way I, I was always taught was that Lucifer um, is the name for, for Satan, and that Lucifer was a real person with his own personality, his own goals, and he was, well, he was an angel. Right. But he wasn't just spirit. He was an actual sentient being. And so he was an angel who was worshiping with God, and then he got cast out of heaven when he tried to basically steal God. God's glory. Right. And then he became 
Satan, um, and he took a third of the angels with him. Right, yeah. Well, what was so interesting to me was to realize that that story is nowhere in the Bible. Yeah. And the verses that we have used to create that story were completely misunderstood. Yeah. And that most Christians in the world don't read those verses that way. Right. So if you're like me and you've heard that Lucifer origin story, check out where they actually pull that from. They pull it from chapters in Isaiah and chapters in Ezekiel, where it talks about someone falling from heaven. Right. But they are quick to show in those chapters that they are talking about nations. Right. Isaiah and Ezekiel were prophesying about nations and yes. about kings who had elevated themselves to a high place, and they, they were prophesying that they were going to fall. Right. They weren't talking about a literal devil. And, so, and in fact, even the word Lucifer is just a, mistra- or a bad translation. It was, a, it was actually a reference to Venus. Right. Because Venus was, is the last star before the sun rises to disappear in the sky. Which is the morning star. Exactly, because Lucifer means a morning star. And so it's the last star that you see in the sky before the sun envelops it, and so it had this mythic idea of it being like this last stand against the sun. Right. And so they had this idea that, well, that's like, you know, a, a devil fighting off against God, but then eventually the sun blots it out, you can't see it. Right. And so it became the story. And so Lucifer was just a reference to Venus, and again, it was just referencing a king. It was never designed to be a name of the devil. Right. Um, and so all of that's not actually in there. And a lot of the ideas of Satan in Scripture are not actually uniform. Um, the idea of what Satan is actually kind of develops through Scripture. Yeah. Where it's like a progressive kind of change of like, at one point they thought this way, and then it kind of developed into something else. Right. And I think a lot of it was influenced by the Book of Enoch. Yeah, and so and that kind of leans to how a lot of things tend to happen in church, mm-hmm. you know, church history is we're influenced by things outside of the Bible, but since we get so influenced by them, mm-hmm. we just ascribe them to the Bible. Yeah. Like how a lot of our views of hell are more informed by Dante's Inferno than yes. by the actual Bible. And by Greek mythology. Yeah. And so our you know, our view of Satan is very much influenced by the book of Enoch, yeah. which isn't even in the Bible. If you've you know, if yeah. you look in the little directory, you're not gonna find the book of Enoch. <laughs> exactly. Um and that's for a reason. But you know, in the book of Enoch it talks about how Satan persuaded watchmen mm-hmm. um to procreate with women. Yeah. Um, and then the offering offsprings became giants and the Nephilim and then the flat the flood drowns all of them, killing their physical bodies, mm-hmm. but the spirit um that was in them survives because they weren't fully, you know, just physical beings. They yeah. were also spirits because they were demons that had sex with women. Yeah. And then the leader of them is Beelzebub. Yeah. And he's the main bad guy. And then the spirit's like, hey, don't send us to Tartarus. Yeah. Which is where, if you've ever watched Hercules, the Disney movie, <laughs> yeah. it's that little jail in the very beginning where, mm-hmm. like, Zeus zaps everybody to. Yeah. Yes, I'm referencing Zeus in this because that's how they also viewed it. Yeah, they, they were literally referencing a Greek myth. Right. And so, yeah. in that, you know, God's like, okay, fine. I won't send all of you to Tartarus. Mm-hmm. So, he sends, like, 90% of them down there. Mm-hmm. And then 10% of them get to remain on Earth and they're demons now. Yeah. Just running around causing, causing havoc. Yeah. Now, you could believe that as a literal story of what literally took place. Right. Or we can approach this a little bit more critically. Yeah. And also, just because that's what they thought was true, Mm -hmm. and that's what they understood to be true, doesn't make it true. Yeah. Like we said, Enoch's not in the Bible. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's quoted in Jude. Mm -hmm. Sure. Fine. Mm -hmm. I'll give you that. (laughs) But Paul quotes Zeus Mm -hmm. in Greek mythology. Twice. Yeah, exactly. So if quoting Enoch once makes Enoch a legitimate source to base our theology on, then hymns to Zeus are legitimate too. Yeah, like like the verse, you know, um, in him we live and breathe and make our being. Yeah. 
originally was a hymn to Zeus. Yeah. And Paul quotes that. And Paul takes that mm-hmm. and is like, no, in him we live and breathe and make our being. Right. Which also leans back to how Jewish culture mm-hmm. and how the culture around the Bible and the culture around the authors of the Bible mm-hmm. influences the Bible. Exactly. And so when we look at the Old Testament, it's not a far cry to say that, you know, all these ancient stories talking about how, you know, the earth came to be mm-hmm. influenced how the Bible says the earth came to be because Paul continues to do it well into the New Testament. Exactly. And and, and so all of that to say, that's kind of the history of where the development of of Satan took place in in the Bible times. Because in the Old Testament, you have um, Satan appearing in the book of Jude. Right. And he's a part of the heavenly council. And so it's like... Job. Did what I say Job? I meant to say it was Job. Oh, my bad. I, you said Jude earlier. It was on my head. Yeah. And so in the book of Job, you have a heavenly council yep. that God is meeting with. And uh, this is also interesting to note that back then in ancient, ancient days of, of Israel, it seems that they were actually more polytheistic. Oh, yeah. They believed absolutely. that God was the Lord above all lords. Correct. But they still believed there were other gods. Yeah, that's actually something I was talking to uh, Michaela about last night is yeah. whenever, you know, the Bible says in the Old Testament that there is no God beside me. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they were saying there's no other God. They just what it means is there was no other God that was equal to or beside right. God. So there's this there's this really interesting shift historically where we went from believing in that polytheistic view where, yes, he is the top God, but there are other gods, to now in the New Testament, they drop that idea. Right. And now they, no, 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 he really is singularly the Correct. only God. Yeah. But the book of Job, not Jude, shows that that is where they were where they were thinking for a while there, is that there, because he has this heavenly council. And Satan in that story or the Satan is a member of that council. Right. Yeah. He's not this enemy in hell. Who's like hating God and fighting against him. Yeah. He's He's having conversation with God. He's like in his place, like in his, you know, little council meeting of of gods, you know? And like, and this is very much like, I feel like that's me Mm -hmm. in meetings. Like I'm like the (laughs) Satan in this story (laughs) where it's like, you know, the term devil's advocate Mm -hmm. comes from this because it's like, well, can I do this to Job? Yeah. And God's like, okay, fine. And it's not even that he was evil. It was just yeah. he was more of like a, a, a attorney on the other side of the argument saying, right. well, you know, let's see Listen, if that really works. Let me tempt him. Yeah. See if he breaks. Mm-hmm. And then if not, I'll leave him alone. It's important to note here that we also don't read Job as literal. We no, understand we do it not. to be a, an ancient play. Right. Sort of um, like an ancient story that was probably even an actual play at times. Yeah, like Aesop's um, fables. Yeah. So anyway, but but there is truth in it. That doesn't mean there is very important truths in it if you if read the correct way. Exactly. But but my point is, so so you see that in the Old Testament, that's how they viewed Satan. Right. But then the New Testament, it seems that they shifted into thinking that he is a literal person. Right. Because you have Jesus talking to a person. Yep. Called Satan, um, and so that shift happened through the Book of Enoch. Yes. Um, but today. We can look at it a bit more critically and a bit more honestly and, and look back and see the evolution of how they shifted on right. thinking about him and now ask ourselves, well, what do we think that Satan is? Yeah, because something I think, too, is important um, to even talk about you know, the evolution of what Satan looks like over mm-hmm. the course of the Bible is the fact that Job was written before Genesis. Yeah. And so whenever you look at, you know, how they viewed Satan, part of that heavenly council in Job, Mm -hmm. it's not like he was elevated from the snake in Genesis to now part of this, you know, Mm -hmm. heavenly council and then back down to whatever he is in the New Testament. Yeah. It's when you look at that progression, it's Satan was on, Mm -hmm. you know, God's heavenly council. Mm Mm-hmm. 
they view him as being struck down to earth and now he's the snake and then we go through this progression of the rest of the Bible. Right, and I, I would actually even argue that the Satan character in Job is not even considered to be the same thing. No, I agree Satan 100%. Like in, in Job, he's just a, a, a someone who disagrees, but in yeah. the New Testament, it's um, a bit different. Um, but that, like you were saying, happened through Enoch. Yes, um, that is the history, mm-hmm. you know, uh, quote unquote history again joey and i are not theologians um <laughs> or historians or historians um but we read some yeah that kind of gets us though to where we are today mm-hmm. and i believe that where we are today is very different from where they were two thousand three thousand years ago whenever the bible started to be written and whenever the old testament was written um and i think it's important to view the satanic and the demonic through a different lens than they did mm-hmm. yeah. because they didn't have the understanding of things like we do now. I will say that um, just to kind of round out this conversation in the debate of what is Satan, there, there's still today a lot of disagreement. Of yeah, course, 100%. Um, as I was saying earlier, some people that I still love and respect have different opinions on this, right? You know, some people see Satan as nothing more than a word for a function, right? To accuse. Yeah. To accuse, that is what Satan means. Some see Satan as um, the personification of evil. Yeah. So basically, the idea of demons and Satan is nothing more than us just giving, uh, uh, coming up with imagery to represent our own evil. Right. Um, so it's just, you know, if you're being a bad person, that that kind of like when people say that greed is is a little green monster, or jealousy yes, yeah, is yeah, a little yeah. green monster. It's like, that's just us personifying a bad right. feeling, basically. Yeah. Um, and then other people disagree. I was listening to N.T. Wright, and he was making the argument that several times when uh, Paul references principalities and powers... Uh-huh. Um, he's like, sometimes, yes, he's talking about spiritual things, but a lot of times he's like, Paul is actually just referring to Roman. A specific, yeah. He's re- literally referring to earthly powers. Right. Um, so, you know, th- there's a lot of different views in that. Um, and and I think that um, basically it's okay to land anywhere on this, but the reason why it does actually matter is because how you view the demonic and how you view Satan and, and these sort of things affects how you help people, how yes. you are struggling. 100%. It affects how you look at people who, you know, maybe aren't saved quote right. unquote, or who maybe are dealing with like an addiction or, or yeah. some sort of sin problem. If you believe that it's a literal demon that's on their back versus if you believe that, you know, they're struggling from, from evil in the world or yeah. whatever it might be, that changes the way that you address the problem. Yeah. And so I think that it's important to have an understanding of what's really going on here so that you can more accurately um, help people, I guess. Right. And, 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 you know, evangelicals are so obsessed with demons that um, it kind of also can make us look nuts if we get this sort of thing wrong. Yeah, 100%. Because yeah. It's, it's really bad whenever we say that, you know, a demon is this little thing on your back and that we're going to pray it off. Mm-hmm. And then you leave that service feeling great because you just had this rush of endorphins because people were caring for you. And, you know, and you were the center of attention and whatever, you know, whatever else, whatever that you needed in that moment from another human being mm-hmm. that helped you through that moment. Mm-hmm. And then two days later, whenever that little demon jumps right back on your back, because the actual issue wasn't really addressed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I know I like when, when people talk too much about demons, it, it can get so messed up at times. I remember I was at this, I was on this mission trip once in a, into, a, and this was back when I was more of a 
evangelical mm-hmm. <laughs> back when I believed in things like short-term mission strips. Right. Um, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll, we're going to do an episode on that after Spooky Month is done. Um, I but, have thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> so back then when I believed in that sort of thing, um, I went on a short-term mission strip, and I remember someone getting up in front of these people who, you know, this is a third world nation. Right. You know, poor, devastated people, and basically talking about the demon of poverty, the spirit of poverty being mm-hmm. oppressive over them. And even then, I was thinking like, you're going to tell these people who are living in trash that they're doing so because of a demon that's on them? Right. Because of demonic oppression? That feels like something that's not going to help anyone. Yeah. That feels like like you're just making them more, uh, I don't know, shamed ashamed of the yeah. situation now it's not just that i live in a country where the government is stealing all the funds of this nation right where there's corruption that's making me have to live in trash and where i can't get a leg up because there's so much whatever no no jobs or whatever it might be mm-hmm. no it's not that it's that i'm entertaining a demon right um i i think that and again it removes our responsibility to help mm-hmm. because when it's a demon we can pray away the demon of poverty yeah but if it's, you know, they're living under an oppressive power mm-hmm. that we can counteract by being radically giving, yeah. then we are now held accountable for not radically giving. Exactly. And even the fact that you called an oppressive power reminds me of what N.T. Wright said in that video I watched about Paul referring to the principalities and powers. Right. Saying that these principalities and powers that are that we are to um, stand against, essentially, um, or that, that are... A, p- a problem for people were literal governments. And now you have this nation that I was in where people were struggling because of the corruption of yeah. the principalities and powers in their nation. Right. And so when we target a, a demon like with sharp pointy teeth, a- instead of looking at the real problem, we're not solving anything. Right. Yeah. The problem just gets to keep growing and we feel good because we yelled at, you know, some imaginary ghosty guy. Yeah. You know, um, so I think it completely takes all of our usefulness away. <laughs> right. Basically. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. I'm going to drop this little quote. I'm stealing it from Joey. <laughs> the Satan is less than a person and more than a principle. Yeah. Brian Zond. I do want to make one quick pause on this conversation just to announce pause. that on Halloween day, we will be dropping a nice little special, uh, a conversation that we had with good friends of ours, Austin and Shane, who yes. have a podcast called The Nice Boys. Um, yep. they nice are, Boys Reconsidered is what it's going to be. Right. Their, their podcast is hilarious. These guys are way funnier than we are. and uh, There are moments where I just have to... like just lean away from the microphone and laugh because I don't like, I know you guys don't want to listen to me laugh like (laughs) unhinged for 30 seconds. Right. Right. So so we, yeah. So we had a conversation with them about Christian horror media. So like scary Christian books, scary Christian movies. And, uh, in the case of some of Carmen, some scary yeah. Christian music. Um, so we talked about all things scary Christian media, and it was really funny. It was going to be like, you know, a segment on one of these episodes, but we realized it got so off the rails. Yeah. And we didn't want to have to like edit it down. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like so that much. Down to like 25 minutes would have been way too difficult. So. And it would not have done any justice to the yeah. conversation that we had. So that is going to drop on Halloween Day. Yes. Yes. So look forward to our special Halloween drop on October 30th. 31st. 31st is the day that Halloween has literally <laughs> always been on. Yep. Um, so, so look yeah. for that, and it'll be a good time. But with that, let's get back into our conversation. We're getting right back into it, ladies and gentlemen. So, Joey, let's talk about this little quote here. Uh, 
Satan is less than a person and more than a principle. I love that. So, so Brian Zond is somewhat of an authority in in this topic of how to understand the Satan, right? Um, and what what he's basically saying here is that he doesn't really agree with both extremes. Right. So you have one extreme that says Satan is a person. He is a sentient being with opinions. Like and the horns goals. and the tail. And yeah. The and he has, he has his own personality, his own likes and dislikes, his own goals for his life. <laughs> I mean, he's a person. And, and then you have another extreme that says, no, it's more of just a metaphor. Right. He's, he's not really anything. It's just the personification of our own worst impulses. Right. And Brian Zond is actually on neither of those extremes. He's saying that he's less than a person, but more than a principle. So no, he's not sentient or has a personality, but he is also more than just the personification of evil. Right. Brian Zond argues, as well as Brad Jerzak, that Satan is a real phenomenon in this world and that functions on a global scale and, and to manifest the sins of humankind. Yeah. So it, it's it's a spiritual uh, force, essentially. Yeah. I've heard him before refer to it kind of like how we give names to hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Um we call a hurricane Katrina. Now, we know that there's no actual person in Katrina, or in, sorry, in New Orleans named Katrina. I, said, I knew someone named Katrina. <laughs> right. My, what I'm saying is we know that in like 2005, whatever year it was, a person named Katrina didn't go and destroy New Orleans. Right. We Allegedly. Al- yeah. We also know that um, we'd also be wrong to say that Hurricane Katrina is just a metaphor. Right. It's a real thing. Right. But it's also not a person. Um, we give it the name so that we can more easily talk about it and, and reference it and, right. you know, you, you just understand it better. But we know it's not a real person. So that's kind of like how Satan is. It's yeah. a spiritual force. And it's almost kind of like in Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So... You only know this if you've read the books because Peeves the Poltergeist really got shafted in the movies. Yes. Seeing as he never shows up, I think he shows up for a moment in the first movie. Yeah. But, you know, Peeves is the physical manifestation or the ghostly manifestation Mm -hmm. of all the mischievousness of the students of Hogwarts Mm -hmm. stuck into one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Peeves also definitely has his own personality. Peeves definitely has also so, has his own personality. But so still. it's not a perfect one-to-one, you know, relation. <laughs> but anytime you can bring a Harry Potter. But anytime I can bring a Harry Potter, I'm going to. Yeah, I love it. Um, now, it's also interesting to note that uh, the Bible never says that God created Satan. True. Uh, or hell. True. Notice how the Bible starts with in the heavens and the earth and hell. Full stop. Yeah, it says heavens and earth, that's it. It also never talks about him creating Satan or right. for our fundamentalist friends who maybe didn't catch the first part, it never talks about him creating Lucifer. <laughs> right. Um, so where did these things come from? Where did hell and Satan and the demonic come from? Well, it's my understanding based on what I've gathered from Jerzak and Son mm-hmm. to, to just steal from them, I guess. Well, real quick, I do want to, I, I want to yeah. talk about part of where fundamentalist and evangelical uh, Christians would say where Satan came from. Okay. Yeah. Is the gap theory. Oh yeah. And so you have God creating the heavens and the earth. Mm -hmm. And then you have in the next verse that the earth was without form and void. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they would argue that God would never create something because without form and void also can translate into a chaotic Right. And so him being the God of peace, he would never create something that's chaotic. And so in between Genesis one and Genesis two, there's a time frame of 
thousands, if not millions of years, which is supposed to account for any young earth or old earth creationists is what right, I would say. Right, right. Mm-hmm. That, um, way, that way they can... It accounts for that gap of, you know, okay, sure, the earth is, you know, billions of years old, but it's because there's such a long gap between Genesis 1 and 2, and that's whenever Satan uh, was on earth, and that's whenever, you know, the Nephilim and whatnot, you know, were, run, were ruling the earth and threw the earth into chaos, all and God had Enoch to stuff. kill all them, all the Enoch stuff. Yeah. And so God flooded the earth... Mm-hmm. And that's whenever the spirit moved over the waters so God could recreate the earth. Right. And, and so none of that is really seriously considered by by historians. No. Well, well, I shouldn't say historians, but by Bible scholars. Right. Um, most most of that Bible comes from... scholars do not hold that view. Yeah, that's very much a response to stronger theological viewpoints that contradict mm-hmm. fundamentalist or even... Yeah. Primarily fundamentalist it, it, views of... Yeah, creation. The gap theory is nothing more than our own f- creation, just to um, f- just explain to hold away up things. a literal reading of Genesis. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if you don't read it that way in the first place, you don't need the gap theory, right? Um, but I just wanted to address it because I'm sure people that watch our podcast that you know come from literalist backgrounds, um, they probably hear that argument a lot for sure. So, but but to to get back to to where Satan, how Satan was created. Yes. So if God didn't create Satan, then where did Satan come from? Uh, well, thank you for asking. Yes. <laughs> so the idea is that we created uh, the phenomenon of evil that becomes bigger than us and possesses us, essentially. Right. So there, there's um, verses like uh, in James, it talks about that our tongues light the fires of hell. Correct. Uh, so it's saying that our accusatory speech, our hateful speech, our lies, it's saying that creates the fires of hell. So we create hell yeah. in our sin. And um, there's also the verse that through one man, sin entered the world. Yep. That's referring to Adam, of course, but it's saying that through man, through it's through man that sin entered the world, and therefore the devil and, and all the demonic and the evil forces right. entered the world. So God did not actually create Satan. And then we you did. even have Proverbs too, you know, the power, the tongue has the power of life and death. Right, exactly. So there's plenty of scripture kind of building off this idea of how we create this idea of the satanic yes. through our own actions. Yeah. And it very much becomes more than the sum of its parts. Yeah, exactly. So um, one great uh, analogy here is... Uh, if you look at Germany in the 1930s, yep. the people of Germany created an evil called Nazism. Right. And then out of their creation, that grew until it controlled them. Right. So they created the evil, and then that evil possessed them. Yes. So you want to talk about demonic possession. That is what this is. We create an evil, and then it gets out of control and possesses us. Right. We're now slaves to the very evil that we created. Yeah. And that is demonic possession. And it very much boils back to that desire for earthly power. Yeah. And that's something that we talk about in the first part, that Jesus spends his entire life speaking against right is you know gaining you know gaining power through earthly means and so when you look at something like nazism it was people's desire for power and control over their own lives Mm -hmm. that created this huge thing that spawned way far much farther out of control than i think any of them would have ever imagined yeah yeah and then ended up being one of the greatest evils that the world has ever seen exactly and and you become slaves to your own evil right and so um Basic, it's the same thing as if you look at a mob, you know. If you look at an angry mob, they create, they come together and create something that's bigger than the sum of its parts. Right. Look at the mob that attacked the Capitol 
back in January. Yep. You know, they come together and they become kind of entranced into one mindset and move as almost one force. Yeah. Basically, they create an evil that then controls them. Yeah. So there's this quote by Jerzak that perfectly describes this. He said, demons are created by humans out of the ashes of war, the tears of those who are afraid, and the stuff people want that doesn't belong to them. Then they take on a life of their own and turn on you and torment you. Yeah. So that is demons. It's not a literal little you know person with pointy teeth that you right. has a name and that you can talk to with a with a cardboard board game. Yep. Demons are uh, our own creation of evil that we then become slaves to. Yeah, which is interesting because if you look at like the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, mm -hmm. a lot of that directly combats those kind of evils that would take on a life of their own. Exactly. The Ten Commandments are crafted, I think, to, to help keep us from creating our own demons. Right, yeah. By trying to be more like God... We can avoid the creation of of demons, essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, so the biblical narrative does not support the mythology of Satan's origins. Right. Um, and like I was saying before, this is important because this affects the way that we help people who are struggling. Yeah. I mean, because if we focus so much on casting out a named demon mm -hmm. by yelling at it mm -hmm. instead of actually offering help to people like inner healing mm -hmm. therapy loving people brotherhood yep. community family the things that jesus calls us to be to one another mm -hmm. then they aren't getting the actual help that will sustain them yeah past yelling at this demon that is allegedly hanging off of their back exactly so so when if you see someone who is you know, when we talk about demonic possession, yep. um, of course my mind instantly goes to things like, um, oh, what are they called? Uh, <laughs> those services at charismatic churches, um, uh, deliverance services. Yeah. Um, so people have asked us about things like exorcisms and right. deliverance services. Um, and this might be a, a convenient time to, to talk about that. Yeah, sure. Um, but I've seen that kind of thing before. And I used to very much believe in that kind of thing. Basically, if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, um, it's a charismatic kind of church service where um, a pastor or preacher, evangelist, whatever, um, is asking for people to come forward to have essentially demons cast out of them. Sure. Um, and so they believe that in that music and in that atmosphere, in that room, that the, and in the prayer, that they're able to draw up whatever demon might be on you. Right. And then cast it out. And they, I've been to somewhere... You know, they're not just looking for people who are literally like foaming at the mouth. Right. They're looking. They're they're looking at everyone in the room and saying, "All yeah. of you may have a demon of such and such, whatever." Right. And you might not know it, but we're going to bring that up and we're going to cast it out. Right. Um, I've seen some weird stuff, man, at these kind of sure. services. And now that I'm realizing that the demonic and that Satan is not that way, um, it makes me wonder what the heck was actually going on in those services. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've seen, you know, people convulsing on the floor, face completely red, screaming. I've seen as demons are being cast out. Right. Um, and, and it's true, there are demons cast out in the Bible, of sure. course. 100%. Jesus, Jesus does cast out demons. Yeah. But I think what 
Jesus is doing in those stories is he's he's helping people be free from a demon of their own creation sure. or of oppressive powers over them, like when Paul talks about, um, you know, the principalities, powers over them and evil in this world that is harming them. Right. But it's it's still different, I think, than what we see in deliverance services yeah. where people are just going nuts. I mean... yeah. I, I just and again this to, I mean to me you know just total transparency this falls in one of those things where like I'm just not decided yet as to what is going on there mm-hmm. because yes you do have the instances that are absolute shames where people are being paid to act a certain way yeah but yeah, the idea do. that some small you know hometown church has thousands of dollars mm-hmm. to pay to random strangers or, you know, to actors or whatever, to act a certain way at a deliverance service to prove a point. Mm -hmm. I also am skeptical of the idea that they'd be able to fund that. For sure. I've even, and of course I've seen like teenagers and even kids like like go through this. And so it's like, surely this teenager and this kid aren't paid actors by the church. Right. But I also would argue that there's no doubt social um, pressures on people. Sure. It's the same thing you see, um, uh, not all the time, but sometimes when people are slain in the spirit, it's because the pastor's pushing on their head yeah. and they think I'm supposed to, everybody else in this line is and falling, I'll fall too. Let me tell you something. All right. I am one of those people. Mm-hmm. If I feel the slightest bit of pressure that is <laughs> yeah. not just like God's love overwhelming me. And mm-hmm. like, I'm just like, I just need to sit down. I I'm hitting that triangle stance yeah, yeah. and I'm leaning right back into that hand. And, and I'm like, pulls away and you I'm end like, up going, forward. you ain't, you ain't putting me down backwards. So yeah. you better pull off quick enough to where I lose my balance and fall forwards. Because yeah, if yeah. I feel for a second, they're trying to push me to the ground mm-hmm. just to, to feed their ego. Oh yeah. Go fight. But you want, you see though, that in that same way where there are people who definitely do fall, because of social cues, sure, because of yeah, pressures of the people around them, and not wanting to be the odd one out. Oh, I've done it before. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been one of those people. Before. I, I remember as uh, as a kid and as a teenager doing yeah. that kind of thing. Um, you, you know, it's kind of it's hard to avoid in some charismatic circles because they switch the uh, peer pressure around. Where right. in most environments, if you're the one jumping and going nuts, you're the you're weird, weird one. Yeah, but in some charismatic circles, I totally swap that around. Where right. if you're the one standing still, you're the weird one. Yeah, because you're the one who's not getting touched by God. Right. And so you kind of join in, but in the same way, I think these deliverance services can can very much be affected by that that social kind of phenomenon. Sure, not wanting to be the odd one out, so I'm gonna you know go nuts. Yeah. Um, and, and so who knows? Not me, not on all of them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna say that like all demonic possession stories are are not fake. Yeah, know, I'm not gonna say that, but I, I I'm very skeptical because I understand how those kind of social things. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, and because my understanding of demons is a lot different than it used to be. Sure. Uh, where now I see demons as as a, a manifestation of our own evil, not a personification. There's right. a difference. Right. Personification just means like, well, I'm just evil and we're calling it a demon. Right. I'm saying a demon is a real thing. It's a spiritual force. Yes, 100%. Satan, more specifically, is a real spiritual yes. force. But it was a creation of our sin. Right, right. Um, and that can enslave us if we, you know, if, if we don't receive um, deliverance yeah. from our own sin. Right, yep. Um, but... Uh, so that so if if demonic activity is different from what we see in like typical deliverance services, what actually is it? You know what? Yeah. 
what what is that demonic activity that that like you see in the Bible? Well, I mean, one thing, if it's something that we're creating, again, it kind of goes back to that verse in Proverbs, you know, life, mm-hmm. you know, the power of life, or the power of life and death is in the tongue. And then also James, you know, where you reference, you know, mm-hmm. your tongue is setting the fires of Gehenna. Yeah. So it's like whenever we are slandering against someone or whenever we're lying about someone, yeah. we're spreading mm-hmm. hell and evil and darkness and the demonic. Yeah. Like we are actively participating in those things yeah. through our sin. Right. Because, you know, sin is a kingdom. It is called the kingdom of darkness. Right. Mm-hmm. And so whenever we look at Jesus's prayer, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And we act counterproductive to the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. We are now being conduits for the kingdom of darkness on earth. Yeah. So we are being the Satan. Right. As we said in the first part of this episode, the Satan being anything that opposes the kingdom of heaven or that anything that is that is an adversary to to the way of the cross. Right. So when we participate in sin, you know, do I believe that Satan is real? Yes, and we all can be Satan. Yeah. When just like are, Peter was Satan. Yeah. When when so yes, it's real because I've been Satan. Yeah. 100%. You know, when, when we are in opposition to the way of Jesus, we are in that moment. Right. Satan. So he's not like a, a, a dude, you know, who's like who's on your shoulder, us. like, hey, yeah, say a bad word. <laughs> yeah. In some cases, he's you. Yeah. You know, uh, not you specifically, Brandon. Like, well, I mean, sometimes he is me. More <laughs> often know, than me, he is you. But. <laughs> Boom, baby. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, so th- that's the way we view it. Um, and this brings up some questions. Sure. If I'm saying that Satan is not a literal person with his own personality, then why is it that in the New Testament we see cases where Jesus is talking to a person named sure. Satan or to demons like the demon Legion? Right. Um, and that was a hang-up for me for a while of like, well, that's a good point. How is he talking to a literal creature? If right. I'm, if I'm over here arguing like Zonda's that he's not a person, how is it that Jesus in the wilderness is talking to what seems like a person? Sure. Um, and so... Let's talk about the Legion story for a okay, second. Yeah. Um, so it's obviously a very famous story. I probably don't need to reiterate it. But uh, Man, jacked up. Jesus walks up. Who are you? Legion. Get out. Goes into pigs. They run off the cliff. Right. Now, also, it's noteworthy. There's just Sparks notes. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's also noteworthy here. Just pause what I was about to say for a second. Notice how when Jesus does cast out demons, he does it calmly. Yeah. He, he doesn't He doesn't have this big dramatic event in front of people like you see at deliverance services. Right. Where it's this big back and forth, this epic fight where he's like, you know, talking back and forth and he's like trying the to- The demons cussing him out and everything. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I've heard stories like, I've heard stories of, of demons like punch, well, demons, you know, demonically yeah. possessed people at these deliverance services, if that's what they really are, like punching the pastor in the face. Yeah, I, I've heard a pastor tell me, the pastor told me a story once about this time where he witnessed a deliverance service where this guy was apparently possessed and the pastor trying to be all epic and dramatic kind of stood in this big epic stance and then put his Bible down on top of his head and then the guy just kicked him right in the test. That's awesome. Yeah. That's incredible. Just kicked him right in the crotch and the guy, the pastor fell over and uh, all I'm saying is that you don't see that kind of dramatic flair yeah. in Jesus casting demons out. He does it calmly. Yeah. He just says, get out, and they go. And it's so funny to me, too. And again, I'm doing it again. I'm making yet another Harry Potter reference. I love it. Let's go. If you have watched the movies and you have read the books, <laughs> just picture Dumbledore and Gobble of the Fire. Mm-hmm. Gobble of the Fire. In the books, when Harry's name comes out and they go in the back room, yeah. it says, in the books... 
Did you put your name into the Goblet of Fire? Dumbledore said calmly. <laughs> and then the movies, you have Michael Gambon like running up on Daniel. Like, <laughs> like shaking this child, like lifting up, up against the wall. Yeah. And then the books is like, he said calmly. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's like we have Jesus talking calmly. Yeah. And then we have, you know, Peter's just, <laughs> Exactly. Well, the difference is that one is a book and the other is a show. Right. And just like today with these casting out demons, what we see is just a show. We see pastors putting on a show, so they do this dramatic back and forth, and it's not what is actually in the book. Yeah, it's, 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 it's so strange because, like, it's like... It's just nowhere in the Bible. I mean, like I've I've tried to find it, and if someone can send me something that I've just looked over, like I will gladly you know relook at it. But like, there's no interactions in the Bible that look like this. Even with yeah. the disciples, yeah, you know, even with the disciples, whenever they couldn't cast out the demon, um, was it the boy who cast himself into fire yeah, into water? I think the so, disciples yeah. couldn't cast out that demon. Yeah, it's not like they came back to Jesus with black eyes and all bloodied up. Yeah, like the boy, the boy possessed by demons, and you know, like in the Exorcist, like her head turns around yeah. and she floats above the bed. Yeah, it's not this like it's crazy the- thing that happened. Like they tried, it didn't work, so they went and got Jesus, and then she's like, you know, how long do I have to suffer with you? And then like you know, did the whole thing and yeah, you know, set the boy free. Exactly, but. If you look at that, though, was the boy demon-possessed or did he have issues that they couldn't identify? Because the further, you know, you look further along in the disciples' lives as they grew into knowing Jesus and then, you know, themselves, Peter's shadow healed people who were sick. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Was that boy demon-possessed and they couldn't cast out the demon or was he sick and they didn't know it? Yeah, perhaps he had epilepsy and they just didn't have the terms for it because it says he threw himself into fire and into water. Perhaps they just didn't know what epilepsy was yet right? and he was convulsing and falling into things. Sure. But even if that's what it is, if it's if it's just that he was sick with some sort of sickness, that's not me saying he it wasn't demonic, right? Because exactly, sickness is a, a demonic thing. Yeah, not not to say if you're sick you have demons on you, but it's but part of the fall. It, it's it, sickness is related to death, and death is the enemy of Jesus. Right, correct. So Jesus came to defeat death and sickness, and so. Even if I'm saying, oh, that boy just had sickness, it wasn't a demon. I'm still saying it very much was part of the Very much demonic. was part of the demonic, yeah. Yeah, and so Jesus, through probably healing him right. of a physical sickness, is still casting out a demonic thing. Right. But back to Legion. Right, we got off topic. Uh, but that's okay. Um, I'll always get off topic for Harry Potter references. Yeah, always, sorry. Always. Um, but so in, sorry. So in the story of Legion, um, you know, we're, we're saying if demons are not personal sentient beings, well, how is it that Jesus talks to a demon called Legion and has a conversation with them? Um, So I'm still processing this, but I think that there's some metaphorical points here that are worth considering. Sure. For instance, Legion very well may be a reference to Roman Legion. Sure. It very well be a reference to the Roman oppressive powers over that time. Right. Um, And also, um, it could be that you know, those pigs were referencing Gentiles because think about it. No Jew would have any business owning pigs. Right. They're unclean. Yeah. So, so they're not allowed to, to eat them or touch them. So the pigs that the demons are cast out to is interesting because stop and think about it. Why are those pigs even there? Right. If this is a Jewish community, it may be a reference to Gentiles. So perhaps that this man who was 
being, a, you know, who was attacked by demonic forces, perhaps the story is saying that he was uh, being oppressed by the Gentile or Roman government over him, and that that uh, government was, was harming him, keeping him down, and he didn't have any deliverance from this oppressive regime. Right. And both in Legion and in the Pigs, it's referencing this without coming right out and saying it in, yeah. in some sort of way. It's it's an argument to be made. Now, I'm not, I'm still figuring it out. Yeah, I'm still, like, I'm still wrestling with that, too, because I feel like most of Jesus's parables are, like, clearly laid out. It's like, you know, Jesus then said, there was this thing, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I'm going to tell you this whole thing. And then almost always the disciples were like, what were you talking about? Right, right. <laughs> and, like, you don't see that in the story. But there is some validity to the idea yeah. that, you know, this could be more of a metaphorical thing. Yeah. It's... I think we should always find mystical approaches to, yeah. to any scripture. One hundred percent. Your earlier uh, in part one, we were talking about Jesus in the being tempted in the wilderness, yeah. and mm-hmm. you pointed out how whether it literally took place or not. Well, I mean, I'm sure it obviously literally took place, sure. but you're pointing out how it, it is a mirror of the story of Adam right. and Eve. So there are literary devices, literary things being done here. Right. There's yes. metaphorical things, even in stories that did literally take place. They were writing it in a way, framing it in a way to make it mere Genesis. Right. And so I think even if the story of Legion did literally take place, it still very well could have been written and designed in a way to have this metaphorical messaging. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you look at it too, um, if we're looking at like a metaphorical mirroring, mm-hmm. right. And so whenever sin enters the garden, right. Man is cast out. Mm-hmm. Okay. But whenever Jesus comes on the scene, mm-hmm. sin is there. Yeah. And instead of casting man out of the presence of God in the, you know, in the person of Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus then just casts the sin out and the man remains. Right. And right. so it very much is that picture of Jesus's goal and God's goal is always to restore humanity back to myself. Mm-hmm. It was never to kick Adam and Eve out of the garden Right. It was to get sin out of the garden. And now that Jesus is on the scene, we're able to get the sin out of humanity, mm-hmm. legion, through the you know, through being cast in the pigs, going off the edge. Yeah. That sin was defeated in that one human, and that very much was a almost a precursor to what Jesus was going to do on a much much grander scale on the cross. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I also, so that, that's how we, we look at the Legion story, or one way to look at it anyway. Right. It's how we can look at Jesus in the wilderness. Um, and I, I still think this all lends more credibility to the idea that, that Satan is not a literal person. Yeah. And, but that doesn't mean that he's not real or that we shouldn't be you know, talking about him in churches. Correct. I just think that what the American church should hear is that a lot of the things that American evangelicalism is known for or is, is a part of right now is more close to the demonic than they may realize. Sure. Uh, when you look at the way that American churches have so aligned themselves with the literal principalities and powers of right. America, yeah. Yeah. You know, when you look at how Christian nationalism has taken off more and more over the past few decades, and now it's had probably an all-time high. Oh, yeah, I'd say so. Um, that is the church aligning itself in, in a demonic way with the ways of, of the world, right. with worldly power. Right. And the kingdom of heaven is, it does not come by worldly power. Right. Another Zahn quote, he says, the world will not be changed through ballots or through bullets. Yeah. It is changed through sacrificial love, through Jesus on the cross. Yep. That is how the kingdom comes. And when we have Christians who are convinced that they're going to change the world through battles through their or through bullets, yeah. either through a war that they're supporting, which the idea of a Christian supporting a war is still 
That's yes. asinine to me. But yeah, that's paradoxical. Yes. So, or through voting in the right person. Right. Either way, you are saying that we're going to bring the kingdom of God through earthly ways. Right. And that is opposition to the cross. And yep. as we said, Satan is opposition to the cross. Yep. So, you know, when you hear people talking about, like, this is God's chosen man to be president, and we're going to vote him in, and then that's how we're going to have the kingdom of heaven on earth. You are hearing Christians say, I don't want to do this the way Jesus lays out. Right. I want to use earthly powers. I want to give... A man mm-hmm. rule mm-hmm. over the land. Yeah. Which is the exact thing that Satan tempted Jesus with in the wilderness. Yep. And Jesus said, no. Exactly. That is the temptation of the Satan. Right. It is It is nothing more than us being tempted to, to achieve power and glory by means other than the cross. And I think it also removes personal responsibility, which is something that I talked about a lot in the uh, first part of the episode. Yeah. Is... Whenever we say, if we can get this person in office, then the kingdom of God will come. Yeah. We then blame every demonic thing that happens mm-hmm. on either them losing. Yeah. Or the fact that, you know, the demonic are working against this specific person. Yeah. And it removes the personal responsibility of us loving our neighbor. Exactly. Because, oh, well, you know, if this person would have won, we wouldn't be dealing with any of this stuff that's yeah. happening in the demonic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Satan has rule for the next four years mm-hmm. until we can get a man of God back in office. No, you are choosing to let Satan have rule because you were refusing to take the accountability to love your neighbor. Exactly. Satan in the wilderness tempted Jesus with the kingdoms of the world without having to go through the cross. Yep. And the American evangelical church would have taken that bait hook, line, and sinker, and they are today. Right. If Satan came to them and said, look, you'll have all of America, and you don't have to do it through the cross, you can do it through electing the right person or through waging the right war. Yeah. And by and large, the church would say, great. Right. Let's go for it. You can have all of the kingdom. Yeah. All of the kingdom. And, and so the idea, the fact that Jesus rejected that temptation, and yet now we're convinced that it's what we're supposed to do. Right. Change the world through ballots or bullets um, just shows a complete lack of understanding of what Satan is, which is, again, why I, I think this is a very important conversation. Yeah, absolutely. If you identify Satan rightly as this sinful desire to reject the ways of the cross and to have power through earthly means, and if you identify demons as the manifestation of our evil, um, you can better reject this temptation just like Jesus did. Right. Which brings up the next point about Satan, and that is his church. (laughs) Right. This is a very important point to me because I don't want people who are a little bit more on the witchy side of beliefs to be offended. Correct. Because um, what we're saying about Satan and the demonic is we're not talking about the literal church of Satan. No, because the church of Satan, I mean... I can't speak for them as a whole because I'm not a part of the Church of Satan. Right. Um, but it's not that they believe in a literal Satan yeah. and they worship a literal Satan. Yeah. I've, I actually went to a Church of Satan meeting one time when really? I was younger. Wow. Um, just because there was one happening and I was like, well, you know, I'm interested. This was after I was already saved. And yeah. it, I was shocked. Like, I was so shocked because it had nothing to do with worshiping Satan. Yeah. It had everything to do with the anatomy or the autonomy of self. Yes. Yes. And I I am God. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I don't need to worship a god mm-hmm. because I am God. Mm-hmm. I am fully autonomous upon myself mm-hmm. and that is what I need to worship. That is what I need to focus on. I do not need to focus on worshiping this higher being. Right. 
for whatever reason. Right, they don't even believe in a literal Satan. No. I've seen this hilarious... It's not like they have worship songs to Satan like we have worship songs to God. Yeah, I mean, honestly, a lot of the Church of Satan is just set up to troll Christians, I think. Oh, 100%. Um, I, I, there's this hilarious uh, tweet that gets shared around a bunch where someone says something like, um, you know someone tweets out something about how Satanists don't believe in a literal Satan. And then someone responds and says, well, then what do you call people who believe in a literal Satan? And the Twitter account oh, for no. the church of Satan responds by saying Christians. <laughs> That's what you call people who believe in a literal Satan. Uh, it's so funny. And it's true. It's phenomenal. So all that we've said about like, uh, about, about what Satan is, um, it has nothing to do with the, with the church. And we're not no. saying, we're not endorsing the church of Satan or no. anything. Because even that idea of like, I am my own God, you know, that that's very obviously different from where Christians should be. Correct. So yep. I, I'm not even saying that that is, that we're endorsing that. I'm just saying that it's important to note that these are entirely separate things. Correct. A lot of the fears that Christians have about the church of Satan is just from the satanic panic. Yeah. And honestly, too, I mean, like, I've, you know, you've seen that. I've seen this post rolling around for years now of how a satanic statue was built outside, mm-hmm. you know, some government building. Yeah. And um, it's, it was, it, Christians got very offended by it. They were like shocked mm-hmm. because, you know, they had the audacity to build this you know, this thing representing the church of Satan and their whole argument was, well, if you can have the 10 commandments Mm -hmm. in a courthouse, we should be allowed to have, you know, a symbol representing the church of Satan. Right. Because if this, you know, if we really do have freedom of religion, Mm -hmm. then all religion should be allowed. Yeah. And so it very much brought up the idea of separation of church and state, because if you don't have that, then it, you know, it can, we should represent Mm -hmm. all of the religions. Yeah. So. Every single religion. And so I think that's a big thing, too, that the Church of Satan um, kind of pushes for is the separation of church and state because the joining of church and state um, unproportionately favors Christianity. Because it's the majority. Because it's the majority. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm not saying that, you know, Christians have, you know, there aren't good morals from Christianity. Mm-hmm. But what I am saying is we have to draw that line somewhere mm-hmm. because, you know, our morality shouldn't be dictated by our religion. And exactly. that's what their argument is. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with that. So to, to wrap up this conversation, um, as we were saying, uh, Satan, we do believe is real, but yep. he's not a person. Right. It, it's the, it, it's anything in opposition to uh, the way of Jesus. Yes. Because um, that is what the word Satan means is adversary or accuser. And so unfortunately, we're seeing Satan every day, a lot of times in evangelical churches. Yeah. Because of, of the Christian nationalist agenda that is so focused on rejecting self the, the the way of Jesus, which is to change the world through self-sacrificial love. Yep. To change to change the world through through laying down your life for another person and instead thinking it's through the ways of the world, which again reminds me of, of James and John asking Jesus if they can sit as right yeah. and left, thinking that, you know, basically the people of that time who were expecting a Messiah were expecting a Messiah like Judas, Judah Maccabee. Yep. Someone who will rally them in war. That's what they were looking for. Right. Um, which is why Jesus was so shocking to them. Yeah. And why a lot of people rejected him as Messiah is because no, the Messiah is supposed to be leading us in battle. Yeah. You're saying that... You know, they got upset about it. Yeah. That's why they shouted crucify him. Exactly. Because this can't actually be the Messiah. Yeah. Like. And so, and so 
when we still reject Jesus's message of peace or Jesus's message of self-sacrificial love and still rather have someone who is a warlord or someone who will attack our enemies or someone who will have victory in battle, right. we are rejecting the way of Jesus. And in that, we are being Satan. Yep. So I'm not saying the American church is Satan, but I'm, I'm, I'm not not saying <laughs> Again, Jesus called Peter Satan. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. Don't get mad at don't me. Get, don't get upset. Uh, get upset about it. It happens. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, we, have to, we have to acknowledge that it happens. Yeah. Like, imagine the reality check that was for Peter. Mm-hmm. Like, when he's, like, trying to get Jesus to not go to the cross, he's like, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. I'm trying to help you. Yeah, exactly. We, we need to wrap this up. Sorry. Though. Yep. Uh, but, but man, I, I'm glad we finally got to talk about. We finally got to talk. The big red guy. About <laughs> old scratch. Yeah, I'm happy about it. Um, and I hope we... we Covered it pretty well. Yeah. Um, guys, let us know in the comments what you thought about this conversation. Um, and please make sure you watch both parts if you're watching on YouTube. Yes. Um, and let us know what you think. And if we if there's anything else we should add to this, um, if you disagree. You know, as I was saying earlier, someone I really re- uh, respect is Tim Mackey. And he does seem to have a very different idea. Well, somewhat different because he does still seem to think that these are more literal Sure. sentient beings and right and so there are different ways to view this this isn't the only one right way right um, and i mean joey and i have said it many times like we're still wrestling with how we believe it you yeah, know yeah so and and if you're interested in knowing more about what we've said i'd recommend anything by zon jerzak yep um but uh yeah that, that's about it um you want to tell them about the patreon yeah so uh we have a patreon patreon.com slash all things reconsidered uh three dollars a month gets you access to our discord server where we have a grand old time just chatting and talking a running theme that has been happening lately which i greatly appreciate is mental health yes um you know I have ADHD and deal with a couple other things. Um, you know, people in our lives are, are medicated for things like anxiety. I so, am. I'll just be Joey honest. is. Yeah, I'm an so, anxiety because let me tell you, uh, having my face out on the internet for anyone is a little anxiety inducing. Yeah, sure. Place, so. And so, but like having a safe place to go and talk to about, you know, talk to that about people mm-hmm. has been great for me, Joey, for a lot of our patrons. So if you want to be part of conversations like that and just being able to talk about the episodes and things going on in your life, join the Discord, patreon.com slash all things reconsidered. And as always, if you are new here, thank you for showing up. Thank you for watching. And if you've gotten to this point, Hopefully you enjoyed the episode and you'd want to subscribe to the channel and then ring the bell so you know whenever the next episode is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So uh, do that. You should do that. <laughs> uh, this is this has uh, been a lot of fun. And I'm excited to talk to you guys again. So we will see you next time. Bye. <laughs>